Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel here with Joel Conan and Dennis Dick. On today's show, we will do our best as far as setting the table for the week, talking about what could be in store, different scenarios based on what happened last week, what happened overnight. It was a another volatile Sunday night session in the S&P futures. We'll talk about why that happened. At 8.35, we'll be joined by Jeffrey Hirsch, editor-in-chief of the Stock Traders Almanac. He'll give us his view on these markets. And Joel will give us an update here on what happened, as I mentioned, in that volatile overnight session. Joel. We're ripping, Spencer. We're ripping north here. The Fed's going to purchase treasuries, um, uh, securities, and the amount needed. SAPs are absolutely on fire here. Uh, we hit limit down last night. Goldman Sachs uh, cut their SP target to 2,000. Also, uh, earnings slashed it by 33%. That set us down, limit down. Uh, but the bulls fall back on a couple different occasions. We are now down only 34 handles, bouncing around like a ping pong ball. Uh, interestingly, we just hit 22.64, folks. And uh, we had a pair of lows at the end of last week at 22, uh, 22.55.75, I believe, and 22.62. Uh, we just went right, right back into that area. Also, the after hours low was at 22.60. So, uh, important area. I'd uh, love to see us get green on the session here. That will come in at uh, 22.88.50. That's 38 handles away. Uh, crude uh, up Thursday, down Friday, settling down here. Uh, up a dime at 22.73. We did trade under $21. Gold up 22 sticks at uh, 15.06 and change. Silver trying to come back. That's up 24 cents at 12.63 and a half. Bitcoin down $305 at $5,905. And uh, we're continuing to rip north on the session. Uh, let's bring in Triple oh, You guys run with that here. This just happened go, go, right go, the go, open. Go. So I got to do some trade and I will be with you in a few minutes. Okay. Yeah, so that happened uh, as as the show was starting here, was that the Fed just announced that they're going to do an open-ended uh, treasury buy uh, also buy mortgage-backed securities. We'll buy uh, $375 billion in treasuries this week, a quarter billion in MBSs this week alone. Uh, and that just broke as we were starting on the show. But prior to that, the headline of the day was that our government can't seem to agree on anything, even in the wake of, in the face of an economic crisis, they can't agree on an economic bailout. And uh, that just got seems to have been eclipsed here this morning by this news from the Fed that they're they're gonna they're gonna again buy as much as they have to buy here. Yeah, and uh, just uh, before we get into the current market action, uh, just uh, we've been doing our three forty p.m. show, and uh, we had Mister Chaykin on on Friday, and uh, you know he discussed several different scenarios. As you remember, back on March fifth, uh, Mark kind of made a cautious warning about stocks. And, um, you know, I kind of asked him like to say something positive, like what could he find? And uh, Mark, who follows the uh, options markets, we all know we had a quad witch on Friday. And he really thought that that added to the volatility in the market. I think he called it the unwinding of gamma trades. And so I think with those trades were unwinding, there was just really excessive, you know, trade action in, in, in both, both, both ways. Um, also on Friday, um, you had a clearing firm, Ronin Capital at the CME, uh, go uh, belly up on a VIX position. And uh, didn't hurt any of the customers, but what ended up happening is they had to um, auction off uh, those positions. And, uh, you know, the people that were, you know, the other clearing firms that were buying those positions, uh, we're not going to do that and sustain any kind of loss or any kind of haircut. So I think that some extra volatility. I don't know why the spoos are up 100 Friday morning before the witch, a really crazy session. But overall, Mark was looking for the volatility to come down. And if you guys have been listening to the show, guys and girls, I said, you know, don't know what's going to happen with the virus. And I 
don't know what's going to happen with treatments, but the market has to calm down. And the way the market calms down is if you have smaller ranges. And uh, right now I have the nine day average trading range at 192. So I can remember those days when it was 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 handles. So we got a long ways to go, but um, I just wanna, you know, I did think about that a lot over the weekend and uh, the, the, the volatility won't come, will come down when this market starts going up. So uh, kind of a, a triple D-like rant there, but I just kind of wanted to encourage you guys to tune in at 3.40. If you have any suggestions for a guest at that time, I have not lined up anybody yet, but uh, it's kind of fun to observe the markets. And if uh, you want to hear me quote the S&Ps, uh, you, can, you can tune in at that time as well. So Spencer, I'll throw it back to you here. And uh the show must go on. Yeah, I mean, Joel, we're we're just ripping higher here. Uh, this is this is a tool that theoretically, this is a tool that uh, a bullet that the Fed just shot that theoretically could uh, really help small businesses. So, uh, and I think that's that's been a big concern, right? Is is who's going to look out? What's going to happen to the small businesses out there? That we that we saw that as being a major sticking point in Congress over the weekend. Uh, the the Republicans thought. You know, we had a bailout package. The Democrats said, "No, not so fast." Uh, but the the package, as was written over the weekend, was focused primarily on on businesses and helping businesses get through this. Uh, and you know, that's the, that's what we've been sort of wondering is, you know, a lot of these big multinationals will, will get bailouts and we'll get government aid, but what about the small businesses? And so, uh, you know, this Fed buying program that they just announced could theoretically help them. And um, the S and P's Joel haven't stopped going higher really since this just came out. Yeah, I mean, you know, I have, I, you know, kind of have mixed feelings on that because, you know, it's efforts being done to fix the economy, but I don't think the economy is going to get better until we we slow down, you know, at least the spread of it or come up with a cure. So, uh, but I think Dennis can, you know, he'll talk about this when he comes on. You know, yeah, these these are good good measures, but. Um, you know, are you going to be running out to the movie theater this weekend? Are you going to be running back to the gym? I mean, there's still there's still a lot of unknowns there. Uh, why don't you talk about um, some optimism? There was uh, President Trump tweeted about a drug. Uh, we're going to try and get some uh, some doctors on, but uh, that was a little bit of um, uh, a little bit of a, a positive thing as well. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Talk about and that actually, right. and we said we were going to leave the, leave the show with this, and then the, that Fed news came out. But Joel, I guess I should ask, how was your weekend? What, what did you did you do anything? Did you go out? Uh, Lisa and I had to do get uh, some necessary things on Saturday, and um, and then we had to drop food off for Dana, my uh, my oldest daughter. Uh, was a little bit under the weather. She did some traveling. Uh, but, um, she's better. She is self quarantined now for two weeks. She's going absolutely crazy. Uh, but she's feeling better. So that was, uh, you know, a uh, good news. And then, uh, I talked to one of my buddies and he said that, um, that he was working out every day and you guys know that, um, you know, I, I'm pre I was a pretty avid, uh, workout person swimming and doing other things. And then I just said, you know what? I got to change things up. And Lisa's been encouraging me to do that as well. So um, I went on my Peloton, folks. And am I glad I got that Peloton? I know the stock's not doing much, but uh, PTON, I got on there and did a couple workouts. And uh, I watched, uh, I really don't want to hardly turn down the TV, but uh, I watched uh, ESPN Ocho last night. Have you been watching that at all? I've been watching a little bit, yep. I, I, I saw the... the uh, did you see the death diving championships? Yep, and I saw the the, <laughs> the juggling dodgeball. Yes, that's the, exactly yeah. what I saw. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, those that oh boy, we we're ripping, folks. Here we yeah, go. Yeah, I mean, I, I like uh, look at the banks here. Look at Bank America. Uh, look at J.P. Morgan. I mean, uh, they're just ripping higher here. So the Fed is going to do what the Fed has shown they're going to do, and that is doing what is necessary to prop up the market. Yep. yep. <laughs> that's, yep. What, that's what it is. Yep. 
there's no two way there's no two ways about it that that is what they're doing and it's working this morning yep 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 the fed uh fed opened it up i mean um a lot of changes in our society coming here and uh getting another deal so it's uh let's see so the so the so the question is uh as how many rallies have we had in the past few? A, a lot. We've had a, a lot of rallies in the past few weeks, and every rally has to have been fa- has been faded. So the question is, does this rally stick when we open at nine thirty, or do we fade this rally as well? That's I'll tell you one thing. I, I was you know watching the S and P's real closely last night, and the way it came off the limit a, a couple times, I was thinking, man. You know, they're really showing some resiliency here. And I was thinking if they could just keep it open until uh, the spiders open, because once the spiders open at 4 a.m., at least you have some arbitrage opportunities, right? Between the spiders in in and of itself and also the individual stocks. So you have natural buyers and sellers. Whereas when you just have the S&P lock limit down, you know, who the hell wants to buy anything, right? Not able to... uh, to lay off the, um, you know, uh, you know, lay off the arbs here. Uh, but um, I don't know. I, I, I'm totally, I don't, won't say I'm totally shocked, but I won't say that after that expiration and the shenanigans, and we had like a 300 point range on, uh, on Friday, right? Did we get to 24? Well, and- I, I was, I was going to ask you, we talked about that on Friday morning and a little bit at the, uh, you know, at 340, but what kind of fireworks did you see at the close? Uh, they pounded this thing uh, like a really weak close. They pounded it the entire last hour, and then after the uh, the four thirty to five, they shaved another twenty handles off it. So like the close was so below the real close and the fair value um, that you know it just we we were so under fair value when we went to 2174 so all those positions i'm sure a lot of people puked out some logs on friday uh, i don't know you know with the shorts came in to cover but it was just it was carnage it was we had a week close and then we had the carnage after you know from that 4:30 to 5 session we actually the last print on the s&p's was 228850 uh that's where the mark was by five o'clock, we hit twenty-two sixty, and the last hours, last after hours print was at twenty-two sixty-six fifty. So we were down, 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 and then they uh, calculate the first limit down off the VWAP of the last minute in the S and P's. So that brought it, you know, uh, the way that trading action was there, that that brought it way down. So I, there's just a lot of factors there. Um, one rally uh, doesn't make a you know a day in the market. We just hit twenty three eighteen. My upside target, based on your one hundred ninety two point range, is twenty three sixty six. Um, you'll have to get through the daily pivot before that at twenty three fifty. And uh, man, oh man, I never thought I'd be talking about the chance of hitting twenty four hundred this week. Uh, that comes in as your weekly number. So uh, it's crazy volatility here. So yeah. I'm actually got calm down here now. When we have movement like that, I've got to obviously get I do a lot of ETF arbitrage. I've got to start working out of one side and working out of the other side. So crazy movement, ripping higher. I heard you guys talking. I was listening to you as I was trying to trade out of stuff. Uh, I think all rallies are still to be sold. So it's a nice rally. They're throwing more money at the problem. They're going to continue to throw more money at the problem. We're going to get a deal, obviously. You know, they didn't get the votes over the weekend here on some type of $4 trillion package here for the economy. We're going to get that, too. So there's some short-term good news. But really, again, they're just throwing money at the problem here. So I think if I we rip and we rip maybe on that, too, maybe we get some you know, that we, we get the deal signed in the next day or two. Maybe that helps us out as well. But the problem is the underlying problem still exists. And the underlying problem is the virus. And until they can figure out a cure or until they can figure out a vaccine, all rallies are still going to be sold. So throw money at the problem all you want. We've seen this how many times now, guys? How many times have we seen the Fed fire off a bunch of bullets? The market rips for about 20 minutes, half an hour, sometimes maybe for a full day. 
but then within 24 hours, it's already starting to leak or giving it back. I mean, I don't see why it's going to be different this time. It's a nice rally. Um, we're up almost 1,500, actually more than that. You know, from a Dow perspective, we were down limit down last night. And now we're, you know, flirting, you know, two and a half percent. Could we see limit up? <laughs> Is it possible? anything's possible in this market, Dennis. I mean, the only thing I'll say is when, you know, they did those discount rates and, uh, you know, uh, the lower the interest rates, I still feel the market was at, you know, overvalued levels, right? I mean, we were still above well, 3,000, right? It was silly. Yeah. Yep. It, it was silly. You know, we were in one of the biggest bull runs of all time, and then we threw, you know, the world threw everything at it in a negative way. And, you know, now you look and here's the issues. And, you know, it's very exciting. It's very nice to, you know, come into the market and seeing it up for once. I mean, that's a good feeling for me. Like I said, I have long-term stocks. I don't like seeing my long-term portfolio, despite being, like I said, almost 80% cash still getting slaughtered, which is, you know, because you own 20% stocks. It's unbelievable I can get hit that hard. But like I said, when the market falls 10% and, you know, 20% stocks, you lose 2% of your net worth, which is unbelievable. Um, so it's a nice relief rally here. Um, off the Fed, what they've announced here this morning. That's the good news. Again, the bad news still is we're in the early innings on the virus. We don't have hardly any deaths here. We have a lot of cities that you know, are you know, not virus-free, but there isn't a lot of cases there yet because obviously the testing you know, maybe hasn't been there yet. But when you really look at it and you look at the way it's spread over in Italy and you look at the way it's spread you know, everywhere, you think, why is that not going to happen here? It likely is. So until, I'm going to say again, until they get a cure, until they get a vaccine closer, those are the two things. Cure is awesome. Cure makes all the problems go away. It's the wild card. Vaccine you know what? Point collector is reading my mind. Because I was just thinking, could we have a limit down and a limit up in the same day? I just said that. You did say that? Yeah, I just said that two minutes ago. So he's listening to the show, and I'm listening to, <laughs> listening to I literally, I literally listening just said that, Joel. I said, didn't I just say that, Spencer, or did I just think it? <laughs> no, I'm pretty you sure said I it. just said it. No, you said it. I said it. I'm blushing. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. Can we get a limit down and a limit up on the I'm same trying day? To put we, we, we look like that's where I'm we're going. To trade. I'm trying to look at two no, chats. No, I, I get it. You know, I just had to make fun of you for that because I was like, well, I think I just said that two minutes ago, but that's okay. Uh, that's <laughs> right. The coin collector is listening to the show. But at least you're just, not at least you're not yelling at me this week. No, I mean, I'm, well, it's nice. I would have been yelling at if you were down a thousand points because I've been miserable. <laughs> I like the market going up. You know, I, I I'm underinvested, but I like I said, I don't want to keep seeing my investment portfolio get slaughtered. I'm like looking at it this way. I'm like I'm eighty percent cash, twenty percent stocks. My twenty percent looks like it's going to zero the way the stocks have been trading. <laughs> so you know, it's nice that it comes back here this morning. Um, Again, it's the same thing that we saw. We saw them do this, you know, way back in late February when the S&Ps were, you know, when we're talking way higher, you know, we look at the SPY, we're at like two, 295, and then they did some action. We got up to that ridiculous 312 area. Do you remember that one, Joel? And that was sold hard. And then yeah. we saw them do, you know, we've seen it two or three times, the Fed fire off a bunch of shots the market rallies, because the algorithm is going to rip it on that. But then a logic sets in. And then also everybody who wants to get the hell out on any rally sets in. And we can't hold a rally. It's good that we're holding it more than 10 minutes. I mean, we're about 25 minutes into this rally here now. It's good that it's holding up for 25 minutes. Um, maybe, you know, we catch a few shorts. That's good, too. That's good news, you know, to, to bring the markets a bit higher, too. But again, what I want to see the market rally on is a potential cure or a potential drug that has a good response that's what i want to see i don't want to see it rallying on fed because this is not still you know yes it is it has turned into an economic problem obviously but the root of the problem is still the virus and when you think about it you know if we stay off the grid and we keep going the same way that we did let's just you know and it's hard to say on a day where you know where everybody's rah rah bullish here now because the market's ripping higher hooray for the fed but you know you know what i had written on my sheet here is if you just analyze, you know, the economy, and you're really at the at the end of it all, trading the econ by shutting down everything. We're trying to save lives, but by shutting down everything, you're killing the economy. So really, you're kind of just trading the economy to save lives. And I would take that trade every day of the week. I would take the lives over the economy because the economy will come back. The lives will that we lose will not. 
I think Ackman hit the nail on the head with his analysis. I think he's right. I think what should be done is they should shut it all down for 30 days. Shut everything down. Like, go hardcore. Get ahead of it. Not just, you know, we recommend this or we recommend that and people aren't listening to the recommendations. Shut down everything except essential services for 30 days. And then see, you know, hopefully that gets us, you know, to flatten the curve significantly. And then maybe you slowly after 30 days, maybe you start to bring stuff back online because businesses can survive probably without cash flow for 30 days. But if we do this slow, you know, this slowly shut everything down for months and months and people aren't coming out of their house and the virus isn't getting solved, businesses cannot have, you know, a 60 or 70 or 80% reduction in cash flow from, for four or five, six months. They can't survive. So we need to like hit it hard off the bat and then boost the economy back up. Like I gave the analogy last week on heart surgery. You don't try to perform heart surgery while the patient's heart is still moving. Try to stop it, stop the heart, perform the surgery, then restart the heart. I think you should stop the economy as much as you possibly can. Try to get rid of the, you know, as much spread as you possibly can. I mean, maybe that doesn't stop it, but it would slow it down drastically. And then try to bring it back on. Because these, you know, calls to just reopen the economy. And I've seen, you know, I read something over the weekend. They said they should reopen schools. It's hurting the economy too much. Reopen everything. Let's be honest. Even if you allow everybody to just go back to their normal business and say, okay, we're opening everything up. We're going to go back to our normal course of business. There's going to be a lot of people that aren't going to go back to their normal course of business. I personally am not going and sitting in a restaurant because they reopen the restaurants right now because I don't want to get COVID. I think there's a lot of people like me. I'm not going to go to Disney World next week because they reopened it. Even if they say it's safe, but they're not going to be able to say it's safe. So these calls to just reopen the economy, that doesn't work because people aren't just going to go back to their normal business as long as that virus is out there. You got to stop the virus at all costs then you can start worrying about the economy. Right now, they need to just worry about the virus. Stop it, and then you can focus on the economy. The economy will come back, but we cannot have, you know, a millions of people, you know, or, or, or tens of millions of people being infected here and potentially millions of deaths. We can't allow that to happen. So that's my thought process here. What a rip and rally, though. Love that yeah. the market's coming back here. It's good news. Again, the real good news we need, though, is a cure. Yeah, it's funny. It's uh, a couple of people have pointed out here, like the dichotomy. Like I, I, I was bearish like the whole way up in the market, and you were like bull, 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 bull hill. And then the market's going down, and you know I'm still you know following it as a bear market, but I'm trying to be bullish. And you're the, and you're you know you take both sides of the market. And that's what's led to your you know great success in trading. Yeah, there. you're talking for the last ten years. Like I've been pretty much on the bull train. I've been full invested i mean yeah. invested for a, not fully invest i've always had a cash cushion because i went through the financial crisis but as invested as i wanted to be for a lot of this rally until like january when i said look i'm taking some money off the table i haven't done that in a lot of years selling stocks on my retirement account i never sell stocks in my retirement account but i you could see it coming and in the, the call for people you know on the insiders here too they're calling you know there's these hedge funds or whatever that sold back in february had inside information they didn't have inside information. They just looked at the videos from China. I mean, it's ridiculous, really. You know, you know may, maybe if you had a meeting and you knew it was bad. But if you watched anything from China in early February, you knew it was bad. There was, this was public information. So I think this call to, like, investigate anybody who sold back in February is absolutely ridiculous. I sold back in January and February. You know why? Because China looked like they were going through World War III. It was logic. Logic said to sell back in January and February. And anybody who listened to this show, because we talked about selling on this show for a month, and I was three weeks early. I started I know, selling and I buying know. books in early January. In early January. And the we market laughed at me. And we went up another 7%, 8%. And I'm like, I've sold stocks. I'm long puts. I'm getting killed on this. I'm like, it doesn't make any sense. So it was three to four weeks before the market really started to pay attention before logic won. So, you know, these calls to like, you know, throw everybody in jail because they were, if they were selling in January and February is absolutely ridiculous. This was as public information as you could possibly get for the most part. You know, if they had a private meetings and they were saying it's going to get bad, that's a different story. But there's like, you know, people calling out hedge funds that are only down 9% saying they need to be investigated. I mean, first of all, hedge funds are long short. So they're never going to go down usually as much as the market because a lot of them are trade market neutral. I trade market neutral. You know, I don't just get killed in my trading account because the stocks are going down. You know, we trade market neutral, long short. So you know, obviously we're hedged to a certain extent. That's what the point of a hedge fund is. 
So, you know, Twitter is just, you know, t the people on Twitter, is, a lot of them just don't know what the hell they're talking about. But bottom line is, we aren't going to be, have any sustainable rally. We're not going to rip up to 280 or 300 on the spy until we get a cure or a vaccine. That's going to be the difference. And if we can get that, I will start buying stocks in my long-term portfolio. Until they show me something that really, really works, I'm going to stay with 80% cash in my long-term portfolio because the economy is suffering significantly because of this. But it has to. It's, it's short-term pain for the long-term gain of saving lives. Uh, Dennis, I just want you to know, you, and I'm, I'm looking at a comment from Joe Dagger here, and I'm looking at comments from some other people, and I know as well as myself. I mean, you, you know, a lot of people did did listen to your advice, and a lot of people did, you know, at least lighten up your portfolio. I mean, the puts game is such a, a difficult game, you know, the, yeah, you know, the fabric. And once again, you know, <laughs> me going too short term, you know, uh, oh, we, you know we did. cost me good. Cost yeah. me good, whatever, whatever. My whole it, first set of puts, my whole first, I had puts completely. on LUV, my whole first set went off the board worthless because I thought this was coming to roost immediately and it didn't for a, for a month. My timing was off. That's why my second set, I went out to June. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I got the timing okay on this. And, you know, those worked out and saved me a lot of money in my long-term account. Obviously, I released the hedge too soon. I released it when we were out 275 SPY because I thought it was getting to be a point where I didn't want to be hedged anymore. This is because I had already, you know, I hedged. I, I sold a bunch of stocks, got myself 70% cash, and then I started a hedge going. So really, I was hardly losing any money for the first, you know, little bit of this. But then I was like, oh, well, I, I need to get to a point where, you know, I do have some exposure to the market. So I released the hedge, you know, selling the puts up to 275. Mistake. Way too early. Way too early. C-Stam, so, uh, C-Stam44 said he may name his son Dennis. <laughs> I, I don't need, you know, and thanks in the nice words, you know, I really appreciate it. That helps a lot too. Because like I said, I get hate mail too when I go on these rants and, you know, say that, you know, we, we you know, the economy is, is suffering here. I mean, this is, this is the problem though. And, you know, and a lot of, there's a lot of good points made on Twitter too. Don't kid yourself. There's some people that don't know what they're talking about. There's a lot of people that do. And I believe the doctors and, you know, that case, but, you know, um, I was, you know, just talking on Twitter this weekend there, um, with, with different various people. I mean, you just look at this and you say, it really comes down to, again, what I was saying about five minutes ago. It's the economy versus lives right now. I agree. Cure puts them together. So we get the cure, we get the vaccine, and everything works, and we come back. We do. We come back viciously. We could be, we got a cure, we could be up 25% in one day. I don't know what limit up is when you go on that high, but we could just rip if we got a cure. But all these little, you know, Fed throwing money at it, Fed throwing money at it, all that is is cushioning the blow that's still happening here, and the For blow sure. is the virus. So I, I'm not going to buy this rally today because the Fed's firing off more bullets. Because I've you know I've already seen these rallies fade two or three times in the last month when the Fed's fired off bullets. It's not helping. It's not the root of the problem. The root of the problem is the virus. And okay, I so say you got to shut it down. Spencer's on the so, show today. So, hey, so well, this leads us to the, what we were talking about on the pre-market pre show, which is what Kyle Bass was talking about on CNBC earlier. Do you shut down the markets? I, I, I don't know about shutting down the markets. And Kyle Bass was on right before we started our show on CNBC, given his arguments, say, let's shut down the markets too. Because, you know, right now it's hard for investors to see the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm an investor. I don't really see the light at the end of the tunnel. I agree with that. So he's saying, come and shut the markets down. In a month or two, we'll be getting somewhere with a cure or at least a solution that types to work, tries to work when, you know, we'll be getting closer to a vaccine and then investors can, you know, level-headed here, come in and reprice stocks when they, when they have more information. The, the problem with that is, though, when you start shutting down the markets, people can't access the capital. Yeah, they, they need their money. Need and the markets have functioned so well. I mean, we I know. Have I know. I want to hop in here for a second, Dennis. Dennis, I want to hop in here for a second because yeah. we've gotten some heat on this. I think the market has performed incredible. It, I really from do. From a structural standpoint, it's been incredible. Yeah. It really yeah. has. And, and it's so funny because a lot of the mechanics that you taught me and things that I talked about, you know, we talk about on the show, like last night when we were like limit down, I'm like, if they could just get it off the limit when the spies open till 4 a.m., you know, I, that's the only thing I want. I'm like, keep it off the limit. Keep it off the limit because, you know, then, you know, the spy opens up, there's buyers, there's sellers, the stocks are open. But, but you know, if not, 
you know, like the, you criticize the S&Ps and I criticize the spiders and, you know, we keep going back and forth, but I think it's really important to keep the markets open because if you don't keep the markets open, then you're not, then you're going to find fair value in one day. We got to find fair value. We got to find stability. And if you close the markets, then the, you know, when they reopen, you know, unless, if you wait to reopen when there's a cure, then they're going to be way up. If you, if you close them, and you don't find a cure, when do you reopen them? Wait, it's going to be wait. Yeah, I know. Do you even reopen them at that point in time? I, 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 I think it's a mistake to close the markets. I think the markets should stay open. As a trader, people could say, oh, I'm talking my book. I want to trade the markets. It's true. I do want to trade the markets. But the market is a pricing mechanism. I think it's going to make more people panic as opposed to, you know, give confidence, you know, okay, my investment portfolio isn't going down anymore. But it doesn't give you an right. opportunity as an investor to say, okay, I have more information here now. I want to sell. You would just be stuck holding that whole time. So if the news gets ugly and ugly and uglier and, you know, think, wow, you know, and then all of a sudden we reopen the markets two months later, we open down 30%, I mean, or 20% or 30% or 50% from those levels. I mean, is that fair to the investors to lock them in? How do you even like do redemptions? You know, everybody hitting redemptions is not enough money to go around. There's so many implications that we aren't even thinking about for closing yeah, the markets. That's exactly it. It's like it, it, you close the markets and obviously it won't go down every day because there won't be a market every day. But how do you lock people, p- people who really need that money, people who really need their what, retirement What happens money? when you reopen and you know, right. all of a sudden your ETFs can't meet the redemptions because there's too many sellers in one day? Yeah. You know, yeah. What, what happens when you, you, you're, uh, you know, a mutual fund can't meet the redemptions, you know, the ones that aren't traded? I mean, there's so many implications. You just can't, you know, it, it's very difficult to close the markets for a prolonged period of time. So in, to, high, in theory, it sounds nice. I don't want to see my investment portfolio go down every day either. But in reality, it's very, very difficult to do this. Rally is fading once again, again, yeah, again. The yeah, rallies have all been gifts. The rallies, bottom line, have all been gifts. I've used, uh, and on Friday, or was it Thursday? I keep losing track of days here. Then we had another rally, and I was just analyzing stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I'm selling more. And that's why I'm up to, I'm not only, I'm getting up to more cash naturally because my stocks are going down in value. So obviously you're cash, but I'm also using every rally to sell more stocks. So I haven't been using, I, I've bought, so here's, I bought a stock in my long-term investment account, my retirement account. It's called RRSPs in Canada. I bought a stock like on Wednesday. And then I was like analyzing the news flow. I'm like, give your head a shake. And I sold that stock out and somehow, you know, I made a dollar because it actually went, we had an update where we we're up a thousand points or something, you know, in between there. But I was like, no. So bottom line is I've bought zero stocks in my long-term portfolio. Zero. I want to, I would love to buy. It's, it's so tempting to jump in here and buy stocks at these prices. But then you start analyzing the whole situation and you're like, this could get a lot uglier. I want to read a, a just before we bring on uh, our guest, I want to just read a, a tweet series here from Brian Lund. It was fantastic, Brian, if you're listening. I know you've been on the show before. I don't know if you listen or not. Who, who is it? Brian Lund Well, we, we, from Twitter here. He's, uh, we haven't had him on the show. It, we haven't had Brian on? I feel like we have. A long time ago. Anyways, he, I'm just going to read a few tweets. He's like, there's no way we can sustain an economic lockdown past 30 days. That's when people start to miss rent. All the people now renting out, out of the 2007-2008 crisis. So then you have two options. The first is that government declares you can't evict people. In that scenario, the real estate companies that own all the apartment buildings, complexes, and commercial spaces will not be able to service their debt and will default. This will be a default on the scale like we've never seen that will threaten the structural fabric of the economy. The other scenario in which you allow them to evict people is even worse. First off, they won't be able to re-rent those apartments and business spaces because who's renting that? And what about the people they evict? We will have millions of new homeless with no prospects for jobs or health care. The fact of the matter is the government cannot support a whole economy for more than a short time. It can support whole industries like the financial industries or the airlines, but not the whole economy, no matter how much stimulus they provide. And here they are. They're doing the same stimulus. It's exactly right, Brian. They're putting on the same stimulus here this morning, trying to provide it. But really, you know, the bottom line here is we've got to get rid of the virus. So he calls to actually, you know, he goes further in the tweet saying maybe we should just reopen. Um, um, I I don't agree with that part of it because of the argument that I gave off the bat that I don't think uh, people go back to the normal course of business anyways. I go right back to Ackman. I know everybody made fun of Ackman for, you know, what he said on CNBC. I believe I'm a support bill. I know you've never, I don't think you've ever been on our show. would love to have you on. I completely agree with what you were saying. 
shut it all down for 30 days, and then let's try to reboot it and see if that helps. Because this slowly closing businesses, slowly closing this, is doing more damage than it is good. All right, now let's bring on today's guest, uh, Jeffrey Hirsch. He's editor-in-chief of the Stock Traders Almanac, also the chief market strategist at Probabilities Fund Management. Jeff, good morning. Good morning. Uh, do you have a any thoughts on anything that, that we just said as far as uh, the feasibility of closing closing the markets or, 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 or this rally that we had this morning? Any thoughts on, on any of that? Um, yeah, <clears throat> I don't think you need to close the markets if, unless they're not functioning properly. Exactly. Uh, hold on. I think you guys want to see my mugshot. So, um, <laughs> hey, hey, Jeff. Hey guys, hey, Jeff. didn't, didn't bring my headset home. I'm working from the, uh, home office. We are close to, you know, um, New York city and Westchester. Uh, so we're kind of trying to lay low here, but <clears throat> yeah, I don't think you have to close the markets unless they they need to be closed and they, they've been behaving quite orderly. Um, yeah, some big down days, but the circuit breakers are in. We've learned our lessons from 87 and other times. And hey, this is uh, uncharted territory for, for most of us. Um, I'm not sure anyone who's around has traded the, who traded the last pandemic, but uh, it's, it's definitely um, <laughs> Let, let's talk. Time. Let's talk Main Street. Just give us your situation there, where you are, how mm -hmm. you know the people are in your area. Like it, it's 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 so funny. You know, I'm in Windsor, Ontario, Canada, and I will tell you, you got about half the people pretty spooked, and there's still a lot of people going about their normal business, which is nuts to me. What about mm -hmm. where you are? What's 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 the situation like out on the streets? Well, we're 30 miles north of Manhattan, um, okay. and about 15 northwest of New Rochelle you know, which they call New Rock City, if you, if you remember. Uh, people are pretty freaked, but, you know, I mean, it's it's New York. Things are pretty crazy all the time. So, you, you know, you're used to dealing with things. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, we hang out with, with uh, friends. Some people came over, you know, that uh, they stand, stand in the driveway or in the, in the street with their cars. We talk from a distance. So it's definitely strange. Uh, but I would say overall people are pretty freaked. Uh, and to me, you know, um, I think of uh, the Roald Rothschild quote, you know, the time to buy is when blood is running in the streets. But we're, we're definitely mindful of the fact that, that things haven't quite um, worked themselves out yet on this on the medical front and trying to trade this technically. I know you're saying you're a trader. Uh, I'm not a day trader, but we do trade. We do. We do run a portfolio. Um, it's not trading on anything, that, you know, that, that you can study. Anything that we have any historical evidence that, that we like to use. Uh, technicals, you know, you, anyone who's saying, you know, there's Goldman saying it's going to go to 2,000 based upon their earnings numbers. Nobody has a clue. Yeah. So it's the markets are operating on something that we don't like to operate on, and that's emotion and um, fear. And then there's the greed. People do not want to miss bounces. Uh, I just think that uh, it hasn't run its course. We did some work way back before this thing hit home um, with uh, the January barometer being down, which is, you know, <clears throat> our main, one of our main annual indicators, seasonal indicators. And then along came the December closing low for the Dow that was taken out. And we put a chart up there of those 22 years uh, that you had the for the S&P since 1950, where you had the... <clears throat> The January barometer negative, I mean, this would be down to January, and then the Dow crossing its closing December low in the first quarter. And all those 22 years, you know, lined up, look pretty grim. I mean, there's a big, you know, drop down, and then it bounces around for the, for the remainder of the year, but kind of a low-digit low um, negative years across the board after that, that scenario. Uh, and that's, you know, without a, a, you know, pandemic situation. And, uh, you know, so we had that going for us, which isn't nice to start before this thing really became a U.S. event. And now we're like third in total cases, I think. And I've been tracking that fantastic Johns Hopkins, uh, you know, map um, with all the cases. And, and it looked, you know, and there's the good news side of it. You know, China things have slowed down uh, on, the, on the new cases front. Um, their market seems to have stabilized, starting to open it up, uh, Main Street and, and such. So, um, 
but they took drastic measures. Should we take those types of drastic measures here to get the same outcome? I think we're a little bit further advanced in the science now. I'm no virologist. Yeah. I'm no economist. Uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm the humble almanactarian. Um, but we, you know, we do look at things historically and people do behave relatively similarly o- over time. I'm not so sure how different the measures were in China. I'm not in China. Uh, I don't know how different you th- I think the lockdown here is pretty serious. I mean, um, I haven't had anybody over in my house. We leave our shoes out front now. If I go to the the market to get you know some milk or something, um, trying to live normally, but I, I think it's been quite an uh, quite an extreme lockdown so far, pretty quickly. But nice if Jeff, we... go ahead, Jeff. I, I want to ask you because your entire your background is studying the history of the markets, right? Mm-hmm. Stock traders, I mean, that's what you do is you study past behavior and you try to use that as a gauge for what what the behavior could be in the future. And as you said, there is no precedent for what we're going through right now. So how do you think about that? Because you're, you're, you've built, you know, your, your career is studying the history of the markets and yet there is nothing that we can compare this to. So how do you approach this now? Well, I mean, there's, there's two answers. One, we continue to look for ways to, to compare it. Two, you step aside until you can get something, you know, st- statistically sound or, or evidence-based to work on. And that's what we did. I mean, we run a, a strategy uh, for a, a, a mutual fund and, and we went to cash. I mean, it's a tactical strategy. We go to cash at different times based on seasonals, but we are looking for uh, an opportune time to, to get back in and turn the system back on. We, we, we overrode it and jumped out. So that's what you got to do. Uh, would, in hindsight, it would have been nice to do it a day or so earlier or, or whatever, but um, we did what we did and, and we made that move. So some of the things I did look at, and early on, back in January, I ran a, a, um, a chart a table, actually, of all those previous um, pandemic situations. Uh, going back to um, the uh, uh, Asian flu was 57, right? This Hong Kong flu was 68. And none of those years had anything, um, you know, major like like this particular situation. 68 and 57 had negative years, but there was other things going on. We had Vietnam in 68, of course, the whole big buildup year. And then 57, the Fed was tightening going in there. This is different, but we've seen waterfall declines before. It looks a bit like 87 and 29 and uh, October 08. So you have to combine these historical um, instances that aren't exactly the same. And history never repeats, it rhymes. So it's it's not an easy task, but... um, we put out a sort of a, you know, human interest, feel good piece uh, on our blog and as part of our, our newsletter, you know, humankind battles the coronavirus. I'll put a picture of a knight on there. I don't know if you, if you guys catch that. But basically, you know, we're all um, at, a, at a pretty uh, extreme sentiment situation. Um, and I would suspect, though I, I don't claim to know where the, the bottom is, there's only one kind of person that, that, that picks bottoms, and that's a liar, but um, <laughs> <laughs> on at least on a regular basis. Um, but I would, I would venture to guess that we are closer to a low than another major leg down. Not that that can't change unless a total worst-case scenario pans out here where the whole country gets it, and we continue in, in lockdown for or, or even deeper lockdown for, for a long period of time. Um, there's some promising therapies out there. Again, early, um, we're just starting to do the testing, and we saw that that's how things spiked in, in, in China and other places. I think we're being more responsible and more locked down than Italy and other places. Uh, I haven't shaken a hand in, in over a week or, or done a man brace or anything. I mean, last week I played golf with my yeah, friends. You, you got to bump the elbows, Jeff. You got to bump the elbows. Not so even. Fuck. I just, I just do the, fuck. the chest See. bump. I'm just like oh. – you okay. <laughs> know, I don't even have to get in there. Who knows what's on your elbow, right? I, I don't know. <laughs> Jeff, uh, okay, so your dad founded uh, the Stock Traders Almanac in 1967, correct? Uh, yes, the, the company founded in 66. The first Almanac came out in 67, correct. Okay, and what, what year did your dad pass away? He did not. He did not. I'm sorry. Okay. I, no, How old it's, is it's he? A, he, I did a FaceTime visit with him at the nursing home. We have another one scheduled at 2.30 today. I might so go how old is he? 
96. Holy mackerel. So Congratulations. What? That's amazing. I'm sorry, because I'm like, I'm searching Google, and I'm like, and I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm just saying, I, I'm, I'm really sorry I said that. So what the hell is Yell saying? Well, you know, I wish he had the faculties he used to have. He's, okay. he's, got some, he's got some old age dementia. I tried to ask him if he was looking at the paper. I sent him a New York Times every day, and sometimes he knows what's going on. Um, he told me he was the president uh, a month ago when I was talking about it and <clears throat> where the Dow was roughly. But, you know, I, I'm sorry, we, we don't we don't have the privilege okay. of, of picking his brain and what happened. But at least I worked with him for, for you know, 30 okay. some odd years and grew up about it. So anything that I that he could have, have told you, I, I think I'm, he may have told me already. So um <clears throat> And all the all the analysis, all of the you know um, loose non evidence based stuff is coming from my experience with him. That's why and the waterfall declines work is something that he did years ago. Uh, I mean the history of, of of these types of declines, though this is steeper than 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 most of them than all of them. Nothing's happened this fast and this furious from from a brand new all time high. That is is definitely this time is different situation. But we've had waterfalls before. We always bounce back from them. We're not going to be able to see where the bottom is without a little bit more hindsight. I'm not convinced we're there yet, but I'm not convinced that, you know, um, the bulk of the decline is ahead of us. Okay. So, One last question here before we yeah. let you go. Um, our country is going to emerge differently from this, right? Cultures. I mean, right. And you so know, what are the, you know, what are the, what are the sectors? I mean, you know, what, what parts, I mean, I know it's what, really What are we early. talking on right now? I mean, this digital communication, I think, is part of the future. Biotech has always been one of our favorites. I mean, it's, it's all forms of tech and how this new digital world exists. I mean, my piece opens up. Welcome to the new digital world. Um, people are going to have to live a little differently. I mean, they talk about people who grew up in the Depression and how their, their behaviors were the same. I mean, my mom, who we did lose last December, she was washing floors in the depression. She was born in 27 and she saved, you know, tin foil containers, you know, the stuff that we get take out all yep. the time. And we always bust our chops about it. Now I'm sitting here with my kids at home going through stuff at their house. It's like, dad, why are we keeping this? I'm like, you know, we might need that. That's a really good point. That's a really yeah. good point. You know yeah. what? And, and another thing too, when, when you look at this, you know, you have a generation of people here um, that, you know, saw maybe the tail end of the depression in World mm -hmm. War II and, and, you know, the Korean War and the Vietnam and all these other economic things. But, you know, the people now, like my mother-in-law is 70, you know, you know, 78 years old. I mean, you're, you know, there's, the, this is the last generation of people that are going to be able to, to look at the, the history from that perspective, and I know exactly what you're talking about, about, you know, not throwing, you know, like throwing out old food and, and light bulbs and things like that. It's just, uh, it's putting a whole different uh, tinge on society. And I'm, I'm really glad that you mentioned that. Yeah, I mean, some cultures still keep their shoes outside. Maybe there's, you know, some things like that will change. People be a little bit less wasteful, a little bit more careful about, um, you know, hygiene and, and making a big mess of the planet. I mean, wouldn't wouldn't upset me if we cleaned up this planet a little bit. I've been picking up garbage in the woods for years, so you know it's um, you know maybe give people a little bit of humility about. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. You know our, for sure. our home, priorities. Our home, our yep. home called Earth, and um, you know fellow uh, fellow humans around us, and take care of people a little bit. A little more of the golden rule. Yeah, uh, Jeff Hirsch is editor in chief of the Stock Traders Almanac, also the chief market strategist at the Probabilities Probabilities Fund Management. Uh, Jeff, thanks so much for the time today, and I guess be safe. You too. Be safe Thank out you. there. Be safe in there. I Good guess. luck, guys. Thanks for having me again. Thanks, Jeff. Good luck. All right, uh, eight fifty-one here. I did want to talk Boeing before I forgot. Sure. Uh, they they had news out on Friday. This was late Friday, where they suspended their dividend, cut their CEO pay, and also suspended or, or halted their buyback program. And then this morning, Boeing is catching an upgrade. You know, we haven't talked about analyst ratings for for weeks on this show. Because they're meaningless. Because they're meaningless. <laughs> but this morning, Goldman Sachs is upgrading Boeing to buy. I mean, that's that a meaningful is one. the contrarian. Yeah. That's a call meaningful of one. All contrarian calls. Yeah, really bold call. Um, 
I'll just say that if we get a cure tomorrow, Boeing's a screaming buy. If we don't get a cure, I don't see why I would come and buy Boeing at this price is because they're going to need a bailout. And a bailout is going to be costly for shareholders. I mean, if they, but we follow the way that they did it in 2008 and 2009, there's going to be some serious dilution involved. And that is not good news for shareholders. That's why I can't get on board and say, oh yeah, Boeing's, you know, as cheap as it's been in years. In a different environment, take the virus out of here, I'd be buying Boeing, you know, as I'm backing up the truck. But <clears throat> think about the problems. They had problems going in with the max. There's literally, people are scared to fly. Until we get the cure, airline stocks, especially Boeing, because they have problems going in, um, and especially with that balance sheet, I think are a no-touch. It's a nice rally here this morning, a gift from Goldman Sachs, in my opinion, but I don't see this stock going back to $200, $300, unless we get a cure. If we get a cure, everything changes. If we don't get keep, a cure, keep in mind, all these stocks yeah. go a lot lower. Keep in mind, you know, Boeing had problems before this started. Yeah. With the max, you know, 737. So, you know, that's one that's not on my shopping list, uh, for sure, by any means. But uh, uh, And it, we got Mnuchin talking here. Okay. And he's, he's just said, you know, I'm just reading the headlines from the pro. says, we have the ability to take equity stakes in the airlines if necessary. And they are buying all the airline stocks on this. But again, what does that mean? At what price? At what type of dilution are you talking about? So, yes, they're going to give money to the airlines. Yes, they are going to give money to Boeing. But at what cost to shareholders? That is the ultimate question. So just don't think that, hey, we're going to do your bridge loan here at 2% interest and it'll all be okay. I don't think it's going to be nice terms. I don't think, I don't think they can be nice terms. If they're negotiating on the, on the behalf of the taxpayer, I don't want them to be nice terms. I think a lot of these companies, buying back stock for years, you know, in good times, that's fine. I'm not going to get on the train that they shouldn't have been buying back stock. I mean, we know, you know, the times were different and nobody saw this coming four months ago. But now in this environment, you can't be giving, you know, you know, perfect deals to everyone because there's going to be so many companies that need bailouts here. It's not just the airlines. It's not just Boeing. It's not just the cruise lines. You're it's talking the, about the rental the, the car companies. The casinos, the, casinos, and the hotels. The restaurants, yeah. the hotels. You can't give nice deals to everyone. You can't give nice deals to anyone because of that. They've got to be, you know, giving deals that the taxpayer can eventually make money on. You can't just throw money away. So they've got to seriously dilute the equity in all of these companies. And that is why I do not intend to, um, you know, buy any of these stocks that are in the, you know, gutter here, the ones that are at ground zero. The airlines, the cruise lines, the casinos, et cetera. Those are the ones that I do not want to buy. I've said before, if I was buying stocks, and I'm not for my investment account, but if I turn around and start buying stocks, and, if, and the reason I'm going to start buying stocks is when I hear serious grounds making on a cure or maybe the vaccine coming sooner. I will be going after companies that have very little debt. I will be going after tech companies. Those are going to be the ones that survive. I'm telling you, Apple can survive a long time with the amount of cash they have. Yes, they have a little bit of debt, but they have way more cash. Google can survive a long time with the amount of cash that they have on hand. So those are the companies that I want to buy on the pullbacks. You know, my shopping list, and people have been asking for a shopping list. There's a few stocks on there. Qualcomm is on there. I'm not buying it yet. It is on the list. Gilead's been on there because, you know, that was the wild card. But like companies like CyberArk are on there. I would love to own a company like CyberArk. I would love to own a company like McDonald's. But I'm not buying it until I hear more a movement on the cure because you know what these stocks can go a lot lower if we're off the grid and we have to shut this thing down for you know and, and the governor of new york said potentially nine months if we have to shut down the economy for nine months there are going to be so many bankruptcies companies that you would never thought could go bankrupt could go bankrupt so we absolutely have to find a way to not be off the grid for nine months. You know, Ackman's talking 30 days. I'm talking 30 days. You know, some tough love, you know, short-term pain for long-term gain here. But if we just slowly, you know, keep it the way it is, okay, don't go to your house. This is death by a thousand cuts to the economy. We need to not do it that way. We need to shut it down and then reboot it. 
I'm going to keep saying that. That's my opinion. I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but I, I don't see another solution here. And just slowly and recommending people to shut down. You know, yes, it's nice to look at New York and see that, you know, that people are listening. But we look at these videos coming from Florida and people partying on the beaches and stuff. And this is part of the problem. I, I, I think those videos are about a week old. And I don't think people are still doing that now. I don't know Florida. if they are. I, I think there's still people going about their business. I think there are some people that are still going about their business. Vancouver is now locking it down as much as they possibly can because there's so many people in Vancouver, British Columbia, which is very close to Seattle, and they have a lot of cases there. And there are so many people that are still going about their business that, um, that the mayor, I think it was the mayor, I was retweeting it on Vancouver, um, is now they're now going to impose stiff fines for people who are just going about. They said, we're done asking nicely. And maybe it's a Canadian thing. Maybe all the cities are shut down in the U.S., but from the people I talked to in the U.S., they are saying there are still a lot of people in certain rural areas that are going about their business and doing their things and going out for, you know, just going, you know, out to, to meet with other people. And, and obviously they can't go to restaurants in most cases because they're closed. But, I mean, this is the issue. I want to pop a couple things in here. Uh, one from uh, David Iceman. He says, by the time the subsidies, you know, this all subsides, the online meeting platform will prove that, you know, business meetings maybe are not as important and the airline travel for that. So I think that's an interesting point. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Dennis, also, we got this question. I know we addressed it before. They shut down the market for 30 days. What happens with, uh, you know, your April options? I'm not talking about, okay, I got to, I'm not talking about shutting the market down for 30 days. No, 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 no. Keep the markets open. So but I, I just want to clarify people. Closes, I, I just want to clarify is. that though, because oh. people might think I'm talking about shutting down the markets. I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about shutting down the market. Markets stay open in my world. They stay open. I'm talking about shutting down the economy. Mandatory lockdown. Australia is going to impose a lockdown. They are way. You know, they don't have nearly the cases that the U.S. does. Why are they doing that? Because they don't want to become where we where, where we're going. So I think you need a mandatory lockdown. It's my opinion. No, but he's saying what happens to your April options if you shut the market? So if they shut the markets down, going back to that question, if they shut the markets down, the options that expire from reading the CME, we don't have precedence. We haven't seen this since 911 when they shut it down for four days. If they were to shut the markets down indefinitely, my understanding is that your options. So let's say hypothetically, we gave this example last week, but I'll spell it out again here. Let's say you got the Friday weekly options. What's that? March 28th? Am I doing the math? March 27th? Three, four, five, six, seven. 28th. The 28th. Let's say of the 20s. Let's say hypothetically they close the markets March 27th indefinitely. Your option that expires on March 28th, your expiration date will be extended to the opening print on the day we open. That will be your new strike uh, date and time is the opening print on the day we open. So if we open 30% lower, your option is still good if you had puts. So that is my understanding that they extend those dates to the day that we reopen, whenever that is. And I believe it's the opening print on the day that we reopen. But again, you know, that's just reading, you know, the footnotes, you know, on the CME or website trying to interpret it. So, you know, you need to be a lawyer to maybe interpret it all correctly. But that's my interpretation of what I'm reading. All right, people in the chat saying that I'm wrong, that, that, that uh, they're agreeing with you, Dennis, that the beaches are still crowded out in, down in Florida. And it's ridiculous. So, they, they, okay. This is the problem. Fine. This thing will not stop spreading. So the beaches are still crowded in Florida because you got YOLO people. Oh, I'm young. I'm healthy. It's not going to affect me. And then you see four spring breakers are sick or whatever. You know, that, we just saw a headline go by yesterday. I mean, they're all going to end up getting sick. And this is affecting younger people. You know, there is younger people getting sick. These people are part of the problem. If you have to go out to work, I, I'm not saying you're part of the problem. If you have to go out to your job and you have no choice and your employer is not giving you a break, you've got to go to your job. There's nothing to do about it. What I'm saying is if non-essential services, the government should be mandating th that your employer not make you go to work. That's what needs to happen. The government needs to step up, get some guts, and make a bold call to stop this thing because then we can get, actually get past it. Why we tiptoe around you know, the solution, trying to balance the economy and lives, it is not working. That is why the markets continue to go around because they're tiptoeing around trying to balance lives with the economy. It's not a balancing act. We need to save the lives and then restart the economy. That's the formula for success. That's, that's what I think. All right, I had two things I wanted to add. First off, Dennis said you wanted to own CyberArk while they're getting upgraded this morning to buy overweight at Piper Sandler. That's the first thing. And then going back to the Fed. Uh, I don't want to own CyberArk yet, though. Okay, fine. <laughs> Buying nothing, Good, yeah. but I, it's on going, my shopping list. 
going back to the government uh, bailout situation, my, my two cents is this is quick, is that they should, they should give the best deals to the companies that pay the most in income tax. Boom. Okay. That like gets rid of almost everyone, but some, some companies do pay income tax and we should give the best deals to the companies that pay the most taxes. That's what I think. Um, 902 here. Uh, I want to uh, wrap us up unless Joel, you want to hang out for a few and take some tickers. Yeah, if uh, if we have some, I mean, I know when, are we talking a lot about a lot of different stuff here? If we could take a look at uh, three or four that triple D take sure. off here, and um, if you guys have any tickers, I'll just try and not going to give you so much of a you know short term perspective on it unless you want that, but try and give a longer term perspective. Uh, if not, then we can just uh, we can just come back at uh, three forty. Here, uh, here, here. Uh, let's take a couple here. Uh, someone, uh, a few people in the chat actually have mentioned uh, Coke. Uh, I, I saw Coke. Coke and Pe Coke and Pepsi mentioned. I, I think they're upgraded this morning. Um, I forget who did it, but yeah, Coke was upgraded J.P. Morgan this morning. Pepsi upgraded Morgan Stanley this morning. So a pair of uh, consumer staples upgrades uh, from J.P. Morgan and Morgan Stanley, Coke and Pepsi. Huh. Uh, I'm just going to look at it long-term perspective here. If you know, if yeah, big old decline from uh, $60, very unprecedented move here. Uh, you could always lean on the low from Friday at 37.51, uh, trading at 39.40. I mean, I don't know about the long-term prospects of this, but I mean, if you know, if things calm down, we get a cure. Boom! You don't get any kind of retracement from the all-time high, which was at uh, sixty thirteen, and then how low did we go? Thirty-seventh, uh, call it twenty-two point move, eleven. You know, you know, forty-nine fifty. Um, on the other hand, you know, the bearish perspective would be okay. I mean, if you're if you're cutting down on finances and you have less money and stuff, or you'll be drinking a lot more water than Coca-Cola, and I know they have other products, but um, you know, drinking pop and Pepsi and stuff. I kind of look at that as, you know, maybe a non-essential thing, but, um, definitely Jesus, th th this Coke chart is unreal. It hasn't been this low since the month that I joined Benzinga, September, 2015. Holy moly. Yeah. Yep. So that's, uh, uh, that's, that's one perspective here on Coca-Cola. I would not, you know, fall in love with it. If, you know, maybe give yourself a little bit of room here, below the low or wait to see what it does today. If it, you know, makes a nice move today and then falls back, maybe look for a little bit of a retreat. But, uh, and then, it. and then Pep, Pepsi's always been more diversified and that's yes. why it, it, it's ran a little bit higher and held up a little bit better. Yeah. Big old, big old monthly candle here. Once again, uh, three buck pop. Uh, another thing too, is maybe look, maybe look for these things that have one or two days, you know, worth of gains. Like one day is not good enough, but maybe it shows two days worth of gains and then a little bit of consolidation. So, you know, right now, you know, with the fat and what everything's doing is look good, but you know, we get back all these gains for today and that, you know, <laughs> might not look like such a good deal, but we seem to be holding on here uh, pretty good. Uh, CRM, salesforce.com. Correct. Um, I just don't know how business is going to change, Spencer. Maybe you can make some comment. I can comment on the technicals. Uh, this thing showed excellent relative strength. Uh, it bottomed three days ahead of the market, trading up uh, $2 here. Uh, looks like pretty clear up to 150 and change. But uh, Spencer, do you use that uh, Salesforce.com at all? I mean, I don't use it, but, part but, of the new but economy. Ben well, Benzinga uses it. It's definitely part of the new. It's part of the new economy right now. Uh, I would just, you, you know, uh, worry about any type of sales department going in in the short term here, and the and the impacts uh, on that. I don't know, you know, how how hot these sales departments are going to be. But Salesforce is a is a pretty relied upon software, uh, and I, I I have some friends who you know, who work for technology companies who are who sell technology and they say business is booming right now. Um, so Salesforce would seem to me to be uh, at least somewhat, you know, immune uh, from mark from economic cycles uh, because it, it is, it is the go-to CRM platform in the industry. I think I don't have stats, but I'm sure the majority of sale of sales teams out there use uh, a Salesforce or a Salesforce equivalent. So 
yeah, I, I have nothing to say on the chart, but at least it, it the- did. I mean, the positive is, is it did bottom ahead of the market. So it did show some good relative strength. So moving forward, if the market holds in there or just calms down, I like the fact that you found buyers ahead of that on Friday. What else? Uh, what else did you we want to cover here? Um, I saw somebody mention stamps real fast. That's TMP. I haven't looked at that TMP. Hmm. Uh, well, that's a consolidation. Yeah, and it came back down. It almost filled the gap. I mean, uh, you know, I guess the shutdown won't include, uh, you know, trans. Um, you know, U- uh, U.S. Postal Service. Yeah, well, yeah, the the Postal Service here. I mean, maybe uh, it will. I mean, if if they determine that 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 uh, helps the spread of the virus, maybe it will. I, you know, who can say at this point? Yeah. Uh, let's see here. One eleven forty five. You're up two twenty four. This is what I would say in this one. Um, keep an eye on one twenty three. Um, you know, if you're playing it short term, you're looking for a bounce. I look at Friday's high at 22.55, Thursday's high at 23.05, and then you go back to March 10th. You had a high at 24 and a quarter. So either A, look for it to go to that area, get above that area and hold, or B, you know, if you can't get back up there, then could just have some more room to do on the downside. Uh, you came very close to filling a gap. You had a, you had a 95.67 low on the 16th. And what was the high? Yeah, you did fill a gap. You did fill a gap from its last earnings report. I think there are some other gaps in this thing. That's all this thing does do is gap around. Uh, another thing uh, positive for this stock on a relative basis, this did bottom much earlier than the remainder of the market. It bottomed up a Monday at last week at 95.67. Bottomed $12 lower. Uh, $12 uh, lower than it previously was. And on the downside, I'd keep an eye on 108.40 here. That splits the double bottom in here. You're splitting two lows, 108.24 and 108.63. So there you, there are your areas, 108.40, 124. That's a big all range, but that's what's going to be happening in these stocks. For All right. I'm going to write down the rest of the tickers in the chat and we'll cover them at the close at the closing yeah. show at three 40. We'll be on uh, from three 40 to four o'clock to later today. I want to thank our guests for this morning, Jeff Hirsch. Thanks to all of you in our chats on YouTube and premarket.benzinga.com. You can always catch the podcast of our show on whatever podcast platform you prefer, or we watch the show on YouTube. Click on the link in the description of this video for a discount to Benzinga Pro. It's our real-time news platform. Uh, and please remember that all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes only, not for investing or trading advice. 909, now about to be 910. We are due for fireworks at the open so we'll all be watching that everyone have a great rest of your day stay safe as always we'll be back with you at 3:40, and then the full crew tomorrow morning as always have a good one